1st, 2015, in Wellington, New Zealand. And we're going to be doing some meditation on Srila Prabhupada as the founder of Charya. So first we're going to look at just some basics about Guru in general. And then we're going to look specifically at Srila Prabhupada, founder of Charya. And then we're going to end with some videos of meditation, which I think you really enjoy. So what do we mean by guru? What, what is a guru? You know, if we just use the way that the word guru is used in modern society, you might have just someone who knows something, someone who's expert. You know, there's a sports guru, there's a relationship guru. And indeed, the word guru literally means teacher. Just like if you go to Indonesia, any teacher is called guru. This is my chemistry guru, this is my auto mechanics guru, because the word literally means teacher. So sometimes people object when people out in the world will say, this is a sports guru, this is, but that's, that is one meaning of the word. Could also say that uh, guru is anybody who's a teacher in nature, just like in the 11th canto, it lists so many gurus. And the girl who took off her bangles when she was cooking, so that her guests wouldn't know that she was too poor to avoid a servant. Too poor to have a servant. So she didn't want them to know it was only her in the kitchen. Right? Or the, um, the tree, right? We learn tolerance from the tree. Even if the tree is cut down, it doesn't complain. Right? The tree, even if it's thirsty, it doesn't ask for water. Even if it's cut down, it doesn't complain. So one can be tolerant like a tree. So that's a natural guru. In that way, everyone is our guru, isn't it? Now we have something we can learn from everyone. Even sometimes all we learn is what not to do. I've seen somebody wear a t-shirt. If I can't be a good example, at least I can be a warning. (laughs) (laughs) But we have something to learn from everyone. Another literal definition of a guru is someone who's very heavy with knowledge very heavy person. And you can say the perfect definition of a guru, and this is the qualification for guru that Shula Prabhupada gave most often. And Prabhupada was going to define what is a guru. He'd say, strotriyam brahma nishtam. So what does this mean? Strotriyam. Strotriyam means the what? means the ear. So one who has heard, one who has heard. So there's a lot of implications for this strotrium. One of the implications is that this is someone who's come in disciplic succession. Just like we have, at least in recent history, many, many founders of religious sects and organizations and many teachers who claim to be self-taught. I mean, even some of the major religious systems in the world are their founder, you know, went out and meditated and just got some revelation without coming through a chain of disciplic succession. Um, I don't want to name names, but I mean, some of the some of the most ra- major religions in the world have this sort of beginning. I know Satsukumar. She talked about how one time he was distributing Shiva Prabhupada's books. I believe in an airport. And he met one young man who said, oh, yes, I also have a guru. And so Satsumar says, oh, who is your guru? Oh, so-and-so. 
And then he said, well, who is your guru's guru? He says, well, I don't think he has one. So as soon as you say, I am a master, but I have no master, then you're claiming to be Krishna. You're claiming to be God. The beginning. If you're claiming I am the beginning and I have no beginning. So sometimes people will challenge if God made everything, who made God? But God is he who no one has made. So as soon as someone says, I am the guru, but I have no guru, I'm independent, and we can understand they're not. So this is part of the strotrium. They've heard that this knowledge has been received. And then, uh, also hearing implies that one acts upon it. If I say, you know, would you please get me some water? And you nod your head. And you sit there. What will I do? I'll repeat it. I'll say, excuse me, would you get me some water, please? Okay, okay. And then you just sit there. So if I say, well, did, did you hear me? But yeah, yeah, I heard you. So that's not really hearing, correct? Right? That's not actually hearing. Hearing implies a level of understanding, and it also implies a level of application. So this is a, a deep topic that we go into in education, that when we hear the Shastra, we should hear, we should reflect on it so that we understand it, we should meditate on it, and then we should apply it. And as teachers, another thing that another seminar we teach is something called Bloom's Taxonomy. We're teaching at various levels of understanding. So then there's just the information level. Okay, I know that. I know that that person wants me to bring me bring them some water. I, I know that. Then it's understanding. Understanding. Oh, they want some water. What does that mean? And then there's applying it. Getting up and walking to the sink or whatever and filling the cup with water. And until one comes at least to that level, you can't say that there's really knowing, can you? If you just know that you can repeat exactly that person wants some water. But do you, do you really understand? Is it really part of you? Hmm? So strotium also implies that the person is applying this knowledge, that the knowledge has become part of them. And then Brahma Nishtam. So Brahma here doesn't mean Lord Brahma. It means Brahma, it means God. So this is implying that the guru is not simply a chemistry guru or a sports guru or a relationship guru. This is we're talking about here guru in relationship to God. So you can be a chemistry guru, but that's not the kind of guru that we're talking about. So then Brahma Nishtam, we have this word sta which is very much related to the English word stay or stable. Something that's fixed, a place in Sanskrit, sthitam sta, means a place or to be fixed, to be fixed in the absolute truth. Mm. Here Shri Prabhupada is saying fixed in the service of the absolute truth. So what does it mean to be fixed in the absolute truth? Because these are the two main qualifications that one is looking for in a guru. Strotriyam, Brahma, Nishtam. Is this someone who has heard and is acting on what they have heard? And not just acting as a beginner, but Strotriyam, Brahma, Nishtam. They are fixed in the absolute truth. So again, what does this mean? So we have Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavan, Iti, 
We have the absolute truth can be understood in three features, as the great light, as the all-knowing paramatma, or as the personality of Godhead. And therefore, because we are understanding that Brahma ultimately refers to Krishna, Brahma no hi pratista ram amritasya vyasucha, shasvitasya chitamasya sukasya kantikasucha, that the ultimate expression, the ultimate manifestation of Brahman is Bhagavan. And if you're fixed in Bhagavan, what does that mean, fixed in Bhagavan? What is our relationship? So if we're really fixed in our relationship with Bhagavan, we're going to be fixed in service. We're not going to be fixed just in the sense of, I completely know God. You know, again, we could talk about this knowing that knowing means acting. And if I really know God, and I really know my relationship with God, then I will be applying that in some way. And how do you apply your relationship with God? Well, He is supreme, and I am small, and I am going to be giving to Him. Of course, God is always giving to me also, correct? Is there any moment when God is not giving to me? No. So if I'm fixed in my relationship with God, then I'm also giving. Krishna is giving everything to me, and if I'm fixed in my relationship with Krishna, then I'm giving everything to Krishna. By the way, who wins? Krishna. Krishna? Krishna. If Krishna gives everything to me and I give everything to Krishna, who wins? I win, for sure. He wins at giving more to us. He's definitely giving more. Therefore, Prabhupada says, when you give to Krishna, you are benefited. If you give everything to Krishna, you are benefited. Krishna's already complete. If you add the complete to the complete, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but for me, when I feel separated from Krishna, I feel incomplete. Krishna doesn't feel incomplete when I'm in separation from him, although he would like me to be uh, realize my connection with him. But I'm feeling incomplete. Does that make sense? So this Brahma Nishtam implies service and giving, it implies some kind of action. Shilanam, as Rupa Goswami says. It doesn't imply just, when we say Krishna consciousness, this consciousness doesn't imply simply a state of awareness, although certainly that's included. It also, in that awareness, again, if you say, I am aware that you want some water, I have an awareness of that. That's not enough. <laughs> Right? If you truly have an awareness of it, then that will also in include some action based on that awareness. You know, I am aware that somebody's drowning in the water. Yes, I am aware of it. Um, but if I'm truly aware, then my awareness implies that I will take some action. So Raman is telling me fixed in service. And of course, this nishta is being fixed uh, on all levels as uh, sulanam. For Krishna means being serving with the emotions, the mind, and the body, serving on all levels. So one who is Brahmanishtam, who is fixed in the service of the absolute truth, who is not serving at all illusion, who is not engaged in service to illusion, but is only serving the truth. Okay, so why do we need a guru? Why can't we just connect with the absolute truth directly? Krishna says, I'm in everyone's heart, and I'm giving them knowledge, remembrance, and forgetfulness. So I already have my guru in my heart, correct? Why do I have to go anyplace else? I have my gurus already there, I already have God in my heart. Right? I don't, I don't really need to ask anybody, all I have to do is look in my heart. 
And there's God. So what's the problem? Because we are conditioned to the place. We don't know if it's coming from the heart or... Right, right. In our illusion in our state, it's very difficult to hear God in the heart. And sometimes Krishna directly becomes the guru, like with Arjuna. There are sometimes. Uh, oh, we have the story of uh, Madhurikshana and Malayadwaja in the fourth canto, that when King Malayadwaja dies in the forest, his queen, uh, Madhurikshana, or Vidarvi, so uh, she is helped directly by Krishna, who comes in the form of a Brahmana, and says, I am your old friend. So that may happen sometimes, that Krishna may personally come as Guru, uh, but generally, we're not able to perceive him, even though he's right there. And the problem is, frankly, that we don't want to perceive him. Even though we say, Krishna, I'd like to see you, you know, the, the reality is we don't really want to see him. We don't really want to see him as he is and serve him, and therefore he doesn't really show up. We want to see just some uh, our idea of him that we can take from, which is a little different. Just like sometimes we find people don't want a relationship with us exactly. They want a relationship with some idea of us that they can exploit. Isn't that a fact? Right? I was just uh, yesterday watching something from uh, this famous person, Russell Brand, who's become very interested in Christian consciousness. And he was talking about what are the problems with pornography. So I know of three devotees that struck me with pornography, so I sent that to them. But it was, it was interesting that he was saying the problem with watching pornography, is it even soft porn? So even if you're watching a lot of advertisements. He said, is that you'll start thinking of women as objects. He said, it will be very difficult to relate to them as, well, here's a soul. You know, here's another soul. Here's another person. You'll just think, oh, here's an exploitable object, like Prabhupada says, that one will think of women as some mercantile com- commodity. You know, I just pay for them, and then I get to enjoy them like they're an object. So this is the difficulty in general. This is not just between men and women. This is in general in the world. This is the source of all the meat-eating. People see the animals just as some kind of an object. You know, here's an object for me to exploit. And we tend to see everything like that, all of the living beings like that. If we're at a low level of consciousness, we don't really see them as another living being similar to ourselves. So we're going to see God like that, too. We're going to see God as an exploitable object. You know, well, if I want to exploit somebody, I might as well go to God, right? Why bother trying to exploit another jiva? <laughs> go right to the source. <laughs> Just like people who rob a bank, right? <laughs> it's a little bit more intelligent. If I go to your house, how much cash are you going to have in your house? Especially nowadays. People are just going to have bits of plastic. How much cash am I going to get from your house? But if I go to the bank... Then I get everybody's cash. So people are thinking, you know, why should I rob another jiva? I'll rob God. But Krishna doesn't make himself available. So generally when we say, Krishna, I want to see you, we're not thinking, I want to see you so I can serve you and I can love you. There's this uh, very nice story in Chaitanya Bhagavat where uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving benedictions to all the devotees. And then the devotees say, what about Mukunda? Mahaprabhu says, I don't want to see Mukunda because one day he's nice to me and then the next day he's hanging out with the uh, my buddies. Right? So they tell Mukunda, you know, Mahaprabhu's not going to see him. And he says, well, can you ask him if he'll ever see me? 
And Mahaprabhu says, yes, in 10 million births. I'll see him. So generally, that's kind of a dismissal. You know, most people would just take that as a complete dismissal. Sure, sure, we can have an appointment in 10 million births. But Mukunda started dancing. I'll see him in 10 million births. I'll see him in 10 million births. And the devotees came back to me, told her she told me, Mukunda's dancing. Why, he's dancing? Yes, he said, after 10 million births, I'll get you to see him. He said, okay, bring him in right now. <laughs> and then there's this wonderful conversation between Mukunda and Lord Chaitanya. When Mukunda's going down this list and he's saying, just seeing you, God, just seeing you, that's not what it's about. It's about serving you. And he gives examples of all these demons who saw Krishna, but didn't engage in service, didn't have this loving relationship, which is what we're hankering for. And then Lord Chaitanya tells the story of this one living entity who really wanted to see God. So he did austerities for many, 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 many births. I don't remember the number, but a lot of births that I want to see God. And finally, he got to take birth in Mathura as Kamsa's washerman, as Kamsa's laundry man. And then Krishna came in front of him. Here I am. So many births have been wanting to see me. Here I am. Now, please do some service for me. And give me some of this cloth. The guy says, no, thank you. This is the king's cloth. He said, and I have personal experience. I wonder how he had personal experience. Anyway, he said, I have personal experience that if people try to use the king's cloth for their own purposes, they'll go to jail. You wonder if he went to jail. He went to jail for stealing the king's cloth. And then Krishna just went, cut off his head. And you know, you think about that story, why did Krishna cut off his head just because he doesn't want to give him some cloth? But imagine if somebody wanted to see you, you know, for a million births. And, can I see you? Can I see you? Can I see you? Okay, here I am. Can I have a piece of cloth? No. <laughs> so the problem is that in our conditioned state, even though Krishna is right there, uh, he's not going to reveal himself to us. So therefore, we obviously have to have a guru. We, we, can't, we can't see things clearly. We're in perplexity. We're covered by ignorance and covered by passion. We don't see what to do and what's not to do. And even though Krishna's in our heart, we're not able to access him directly when we are in passion and ignorance because we have the wrong mentality. So the guru is willing to deal with us even though we have the wrong mentality. Isn't that fascinating? And we say guru and God are, are, are one. Guru is a manifestation of God. But also, there's a difference. Like Krishna tells the devotees in the Bhagavad Gita, he says, don't bother talking to ignorant people. Just set a good example. Don't, don't bother them. Because Krishna doesn't want his devotees to be disturbed. He knows that if you talk to ignorant people, they're going to be a problem. But the devotee knows that Krishna wants to help these people. He's just trying to relieve us of any problem. And you can say, well, why doesn't Krishna just help them? Because Krishna's neutral. Hmm? Krishna's neutral. In order for us to have free will, Krishna has to remain like that, as neutral until we really make a step towards him in reality, not in exploitation. But the guru, knowing that Krishna wants to save everyone, even though he's neutral, the guru goes and helps people even who are fallen and can't see Krishna, and helps them to come to that understanding. So without guru, we'll not be able to understand what to do and what not to do. Now, Prabhupada often says that the guru is one, the guru cannot be two. What does that mean, the guru is one? Actually, I should add another quote to that. Where Prabhupada says that guru is not a particular man, guru is a truth. 
So what does this mean? And Prabhupada is explaining here what this means. That they're all teaching the same message. Just like we can say, mathematics is one. Whether you go to your little local college, or you go to Harvard, or you go to Princeton, or Yale, or you know, Cambridge, or Oxford, mathematics is mathematics. It's not that when you're at Yale, they're going to teach two plus two is five. And when you're at Cambridge, they're going to teach two plus two is seven. You know, the knowledge is one, and anyone who's teaching that knowledge is a mathematics teacher. You could say all mathematics teachers are one. No matter where you learn mathematics, you're going to get the same knowledge. And in so many countries, there's some sort of national exam that everyone, no matter what school you've gone to, you're expected to come out with the same basic knowledge. Because guru is one. At the same time, guru is also different. So there can be various levels of qualifications of gurus. Just like there can be some mathematic teachers who teach at the PhD level and some who are only qualified to teach at the nursery level. And there can be some mathematics teachers who are just assistants. Just like generally in a college or university, it's not the big professor who teaches everyone. They have their teaching assistants. And the teaching assistants are usually still students themselves. You know that, right? It's been the big, big universities they have TAs, teaching assistants, and these are usually people who are just have a master's degree. They're working on their PhD. They're still students. They may never even get their PhD. A lot of teaching assistants never complete. And 50% of people who go for a PhD never complete it. So you've got a you know 50% chance that your teaching assistant will never become a professor, even. Uh, but they're assisting the professor. So there may be different levels of qualification. And there may be different roles. So we have basically three different kinds of gurus. You were looking at the initiating and the instructing who are the main gurus. So they have different roles. And Prabhupada says if you discriminate between them, if you say, well, the initiating guru has to be more qualified or the, the instructing guru has to be more qualified, then he says you're committing an offense in devotional service. That one shouldn't see any distinctions. But they have a different function. And we can compare this also to a university, because Srila Prabhupada said taking initiation is like having a formal enrollment in a university. So the Diksha Guru is like your admissions officer. This is like the person who decides, all right, you are a student in the university. And you can just be coming to classes and this and that, but when you are actually enrolled, you get your little ID card, you get your student number, right? And once you're enrolled, then all the facility of the university is available to you. That isn't available to you when you're not officially enrolled. So that person has a very big responsibility. It's that person who primarily is putting their name on the line for you. We were talking about this the other day at the ladies' ashram. And saying to Krishna and all the predecessor acharyas, I vouch for this person. Now, I've examined this person. And I'm confident that this person is going to follow the standard procedure and that they're likely to be able to graduate from the university. So even if the Diksha Guru only gives Diksha, and sometimes the Diksha Guru only gives Diksha. Sometimes the Diksha Guru just gives the Diksha mantras, etc., and just initiates you into the Sampradaya, but doesn't really give very many instructions at all. 
Uh, still, that diction guru is very important because without the diction guru, you don't enter into the sampradaya. By the way, does anybody know the uh, five elements of diksha? What are the five parts of diksha? This is explained very nicely by Bhakti Thakur. So one of them is nam, name. So this can mean either you're given Krishna's name or it means you're given a spiritual name. Now your name is Krishna Das or Krishna Das. So another is tilak. You get to wear the tilak of the sampradaya. So I'm sure as you know, in different sampradayas they have slightly different tilak. And even within the Gaudiya sampradaya, there's varieties of tilak. Like if you go to Manipur, where they're, they're descended from the Rotamitas Thakur, their tilak is much thinner. I'm not quite sure how they put it on, because it's very thin. Right? And the followers of Shamananda, they got a little different tilak that was given by Radharani herself. So this tilak, it's some, something, like, uh, something like in a university they may have some symbol, some logo, right? In, in North Carolina, where we lived for a long time, the local university called themselves the Tar Heels because the area was, uh, had a lot of tar. And when people first settled it, they'd walk around and they'd get tar on their feet. So they called the university the Tar Heels and they had a symbol of a little blue foot with a black mark on the heel. And you'd see people going to the football games and stuff and they'd be having this painted on their face. Right? Or they have it on their sweatshirt or something. And you look at them and immediately you know, oh, this is one, this is a bona fide college student. Two, this is a bona fide college student at this and this particular college. So this tilak means my body is a temple of God. I am acknowledging that my body is a temple of God. Like we have a sign in front of the temple. This is a Hare Krishna temple. And also, my body is a temple of God and I'm in this particular line. I'm committed to this particular school. So that, that way one is recognized. So we have name, tilak and tapasya. What is our tapasya given at Diksha? Well, particularly the four regular principles. Hopefully 16 hours isn't a tapasya. No eating meat, no, no, no eating meat, fish or eggs, no intoxication, no illicit sex, no gambling. So uh, Prabhupada would often say that in the Kali Yuga, that's enough tapasya for most people. Prabhupada's not giving us, you know, stay out naked in the cold. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with fires and the heat, and you don't have to do that kind of tapasya. So you have your name, your spiritual name, or the holy name, and or the holy name, your tilak, and your tapasya. Then the other is the sampradaya mantra. So our sampradaya mantras means our Gayatri mantras. We have seven Gayatri mantras in our sampradaya mantras, and the last is deity worship, engagement in deity worship. These are the five parts of diksha. So this is the function of the diksha guru. And the shiksha guru may not give those things. The shiksha guru is giving instructions. But they are equally a guru. And as Srila Prabhupada explained, the word guru applies equally uh, to the Vartma Pradarsha guru and the shiksha guru and the diksha guru. Now the Vartma Pradarsha guru, that is that's the guru who starts you on your path. So this may be the person who gives you a book. As soon as you're distributing books, you become this kind of a guru. As soon as you're distributing prasadam, you become this kind of a guru. As soon as you just say to somebody, please chant Hare Krishna, you become this kind of a guru. You're the guru who starts somebody on the path, the guru who points the way. And this guru may not give any further instruction or may not give guru 
I may not give Diksha, uh, but all of these are gurus. So as far as initiating and instructing, only one initiating guru. Why would you get the same mantra from more than one person? So you can get instructions from many, many, many persons. By giving the mantra, giving your name, should only be done once. And generally, the general principle is that the Shiksha Guru becomes the Diksha Guru. So generally it starts, somebody points the way, and somebody gives you instruction. That may also be the same person. And generally, the person from whom you get the majority of instruction becomes the Diksha Guru. This is a little basis about what is Guru in general. But then we're going to look at Srila Prabhupada not just as Guru. Certainly Srila Prabhupada is the Shiksha Guru for everybody in the Hare Krishna movement. Right? If we want to talk about how do you know that you're a member of ISKCON, and this is a big debate going on even at the level of the GBC, so I'm not going to uh, pretend that little Ermila Devi Dasi here in Wellington is going to decide who is an ISKCON member when the GBC is still debating how we're defining an ISKCON member. But certainly one of the main criteria for being a member of ISKCON is accepting Srila Prabhupada's instructions. If one doesn't accept Srila Prabhupada's instructions, how could you be a member of ISKCON? You'd have to accept Prabhupada's instructions at least on some level. And we can say that accepting Srila Prabhupada's instructions is even more significant in terms of whether or not you're a member of ISKCON and who you have Diksha from. Just like we have people who've taken Diksha from Srila Prabhupada, but they no longer accept his instructions. And they accept instructions from somebody else, for example. So we would say, well, they're not really a, a member of ISKCON, even though they've taken Diksha from Srila Prabhupada, because they have as their Shiksha Guru somebody else. Maybe they become a Buddhist or something. Oops, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I'm getting internet here. Krishna, I'm so sorry. Usually if I realize that, I make sure I turn that stuff off before the presentation. So I'm not kind of now if I do that, it <laughs> But yeah, sometimes you have people give a whole... Sometimes all, all of a sudden on your screen, some private conversation will pop up <laughs> from somebody. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Remember that tonight to turn that off. So what do we mean that Shiva Prabhupada is the founder of Charya? Not, not just that Shiva Prabhupada is, is the Shiksha Guru. So what do we mean by that? So we're going to look at some definitions of what does it mean to be founder of Charya. So first we're going to look at um, I mean, five definitions from the Prabhupada Tapana. So one definition is that he's the savior of everyone assisted by other masters. Like this word Prabhupada. So Prabhu usually is a word that refers to who do we generally mean when we say Prabhu? Well, who's the Prabhu? Krishna. By the way, Prabhu does not mean males, as it's sometimes applied in a Hare Krishna movement. Prabhu means God. So usually we talk about Prabhu, we mean God. But we see that all, the, all those who serve God can also be considered Prabhu. In fact, sometimes it is stated that the devotee should see all living entities as their master, not even just the other devotees. Even the little bugs, just like Prabhupada one had a little one time had a little bug in his room, and he called his servant. He said, "I think this bug is hungry. Please put him outside." So that you're serving the bug, yes, isn't it? You sit down at a meal, and somebody serves you, and Prabhupada was running to make sure the bug had some food. So he's a servant of the bug. Uh, Prabhupada was once in speaking about Varnashram, 
talking about first, second, third class people, and, and uh, one person in the audience said, so, who are you? You must be a first class person, right? Like that. I would say, no, no, I am fifth class, because I'm serving even fourth class people. <laughs> and so, really, the devotee sees everyone. I am meant to serve everyone. I am meant to serve everyone. But here we could talk about that the founder Acharya is he at whose feet many other masters sit. Just like you have the ordinary teacher and then you have the head of the department in the school. You have the head of the school of education, the head of the school of nursing, then you have the dean of the whole college. And that is a person under whom there are many other teachers. So we could say the founder Acharya is He's saving everyone, and he's assisted by many others. And then a founder Acharya removes the fear of all fallen souls, not just some. So a guru, they're going to be serving just their disciples, but the founder Acharya, they're removing the fear of everyone, even those who are not their disciples. And we see this with Srila Prabhupada, how he's giving instruction and help and guidance, even to people who are not his disciples. Yes? He's saying, give my books to everyone. This is very interesting. Oh, we, we see a professor in the class, he will want to have his books sold, he or she will want to have their books sold to their students. And many of Srila Prabhupada's books contain things that are very confidential. We think about Srila Prabhupada wanting us to sell Krishna book. Or, you know, I was at the airport selling Chaitanya Charitamrita, Anchalila, volume 5 which is, I would say, the most esoteric of all of Shiva Prabhupada's books. And we're selling it on the, just, you know, on the street or in the airport, just ordinary people. They're not even vegetarian, you know, they're not even sober necessarily. Some drunk sailor. <laughs> Here, take a chicken in charge of me, John Jalila, chapter five. Volume <laughs> <Nine>, five. Woo! <laughs> so Prabhupada is the savior of all fallen souls. We're going, taking the holy name out into the street to everyone. He's not saying, first you have to become my disciple and then I will instruct you. Okay, another definition also is writing great books, purporting Vaishnava song and Shastra. So how many books is Srila Prabhupada producing? And his very name becoming identified with the sacred word of God. This is another symptom of the founder of Charya. So that uh, we take Shiva Prabhupada's purports as good as the verses. We don't consider that Prabhupada's purports have less authority. Well, this is a great acharya. But just a guru may not be like that. He may not take that, well, their words have, have the same authority as the verses. But for the founder acharya like that, that people in general will start to identify that person's name with the word of God itself. And this is from the Harinam Chintamani, definition of a founder of Acharya. Someone who has great spiritual strength, great shakti. Again, all of us have some shakti, all of us have some ability. We were talking yesterday in our parenting seminar, everybody has some talent. Prabhupada said everyone has some extraordinary talent. So everybody has some shakti, even, you know, butterflies have some shakti. How do you turn from a caterpillar into a butterfly? That requires some special shakti. But to be the founder of Acharya, one has to have some great spiritual shakti. Something way beyond the ordinary. And we see this in Srila Prabhupada, how Srila Prabhupada was able to take practically anyone 
and bring them to spiritual life. And this definition from Harinam Chintamani is particularly relevant to us. His teachings supersede all others and are compulsory for his followers. So if one says, I want to be a member of ISKCON, then we see Shiva Prabhupada as the founder of Acharya like this. That whatever other teachings we have, Shiva Prabhupada's are, are supreme. So um, some of you may know on the Shastric Advisory Council, and we were asked by the GBC to decide a particular issue on which uh, Shiva Prabhupada said something, and Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, one of his purports, appeared to say something else. And there was a, a different instructions from different acharyas. So what we advised the GBC, we said, really, you could do any of these, because any of these choices are all approved by our acharyas. So it's not that one is right and one is wrong, there's just a bunch of different available choices. Sometimes it's like that in life, you know? Sometimes devotees ask, what does Krishna want me to do? And occasionally, what Krishna wants you occasionally, what Krishna wants you to do is just one thing. Stand up, pick up your bow, pick up your arrows, and fight Arjuna now, just one thing. But many times what Krishna wants you to do is a variety of things. Sometimes Krishna may want you to do any of ten things, or any of twenty things, and you can choose. In fact, that's usually the case. It's usually the case that it's not just one thing. You know, if you're cooking for the deities, you're distributing books, you're distributing prasad, Prabhupada's equally pleased with any of those. It's not that, that you only have to do one thing. So we said there's so many instructions from the Acharyas on this point, and all of them are good. However, because Srila Prabhupada is the founder of Acharya Viscon, we should follow what Srila Prabhupada says in this regard. That we should consider that his instructions supersede all others. This is a very important point. One of the things that I have noticed that's a difference between people who are members of ISKCON and people who are not members of ISKCON, as they self-identify. If someone says, yes, I am a devotee of Krishna, I am a devotee of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they may even say, they may even say that I follow Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada is my guru, but if they say I'm not a member of ISKCON, what I often find, not always, but what I often find is that such people will put others' instructions as superseding Shiva Prabhupada. I remember talking to one of these people, and I said, well, it seems that when there's a difference of opinion between Shiva Prabhupada and so-and-so person, that you follow the so-and-so person. And he said, well, sometimes, and sometimes I have my own opinion, which is different from either of them. So, uh, okay. He was honest. I, I, appreciated, I appreciated his honesty, and I'm not going to say that he's right or wrong, but certainly he's not accepting Srila Prabhupada as the founder of Charya. Do you follow? Whether or not this person can go to Krishna is not my business. But without any doubt, this person is not accepting Srila Prabhupada as the founder of Charya. So when someone says, yes, I, I accept Prabhupada, I worship Prabhupada, but I accept someone else's teachings as superior, if there's some difference of mood, if there's some difference of opinion, I go with the other person. Or recently also, I had one uh, devotee, very nice devotee, certainly not, uh, not someone who's not a devotee, someone who's a devotee of Krishna, a devotee of Lachitani, without any, any question. But we were discussing a philosophical point, and I said, I understand the Acharyas through Shiva Prabhupada, and this person said, I understand Shiva Prabhupada through the Acharyas. That person is not accepting Prabhupada as the founder of Acharya. And I didn't want to say to this person because it wasn't my business. I didn't want to say to them, how do you understand the Acharyas at all? 
When you say you're understanding Srila Prabhupada through the previous acharyas, how did you even know about the previous acharyas? How did you even access them? And how are you claiming to have some understanding of the previous acharyas through which you're understanding Srila Prabhupada? Does that make sense? That doesn't mean that this person is not a bona fide devotee. It's not what I want to say at all. Because Prabhupada says there are many societies of devotees. We are one branch of the Chaitanya tree. I'm not going to say that people in Orissa who are followers of Lord Chaitanya from a different branch of the Chaitanya tree are people in Manipur, Bengal, or whatever, that they're not bona fide devotees. But such people, they, they do not, they're not accepting Srila Prabhupada as the founder of Charya. So we're saying we accept Srila Prabhupada as the founder of Charya. Then this is part of what it means that we understand the disciplic succession through him and through his mood. And that he holds a unique post. That there's not, and there was a time in his kind when uh, one of our other leaders claimed the title of founder Acharya for his community. And the GBC said, no, you can't use that term. If you wanted to say, I'm the founder Acharya of Iskand Wellington, the GBC would come in and say, no, no, you can't. You can't do that. And the leader of all Vaishnavas, of all the Vaishnavas, when he is physically present. So certainly this was very much true in Srila Prabhupada's presence. And gives the power of attorney to his followers through adherence to, to his teachings. In other words, he's continuing the succession. This is really an amazing point, because there are many religions of the world that part of their philosophy is that the guru ends here. The parampara ends here. This is true in Islam, and it's true in the Sikh religion. That may be true with the Jains also. Where they say the parampara ends at this point. Like the Muslims say that Muhammad is the seal of prophecy. He's the end. So the Muslims accept, for example, that Jesus is a prophet. They don't accept Jesus in the same way that the Christians do. But they certainly accept that Jesus is a prophet. They accept that Moses is a prophet. Of course, they're not going to accept that Lord Chaitanya is a prophet. Anyway, the Muslims accept that there are so many other teachers of religion and so many other teachers about God, but they say Muhammad is the last. Nobody after Muhammad can claim to be a teacher. Our parampara stops. There's no more power of attorney given. And also you find with the Sikhs, they have a certain number of gurus and they say that's it, now no more. I'm pretty sure the Jains have that most. They do that also the Jains? It stops. So a real founder Acharya is not someone who stops the flow of nectar. Not so now it stops with me. Prabhupada said, I want all of my disciples to become gurus. He said, we need somebody. There's seven billion people on the planet. Prabhupada said, we need a thousand gurus, ten thousand, a hundred thousand gurus. He said, all of you should become gurus. And how does one become gurus? Again, Sturjiya Brahmanishtam. All right, well, is it just us saying that Srila Prabhupada is the, is the founder of Acharya? You know, or is there any kind of prediction of such a great personality coming? So here we have from the Chaitanya Mangala that there'll be a Sena Pati Bhakta. Sena is the army. Pati means the ruler, the chief, the husband. So some devotee who's the leader of the army of devotees This is in the Brahma Bhagavata Purana. 
that after 5,000 years of Kali Yuga, uh, that then someone who worships the holy name will appear and spread the chanting of the holy name everywhere. And there's a, actually quite a lot of prediction there about this 10,000 years of Kali Yuga, where there will be an age like Satya Yuga. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur. You could say, well, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he's a great Acharya, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur didn't take the same position as Shumatana. By the way, we're not saying, we shouldn't be saying, please don't say, that Srila Prabhupada was more advanced spiritually than any other Acharya. Srila Prabhupada wouldn't be pleased with that. If we said Prabhupada was, is more spiritually advanced than Narada Muni, I mean, Prabhupada would consider that a great offense. Or if you said Prabhupada was more advanced than Bhakti Siddhanta or something like that, he'd be very angry. So we're not saying that Srila Prabhupada is more spiritually advanced in some way. That's not what we're saying. Uh, but we're t- saying that he's taking this role of founder Acharya. He's particularly empowered to take this role of founder Acharya. So how do he manifest these symptoms? Again, is it just our sentiment that his followers all Prabhupada's the founder Acharya? So Prabhupada went to every country, not every country, but Prabhupada went all over the world 14 times. Established Krishna on every major continent. This is our Krishna Balaram temple in Vrindavan. So Prabhupada established... 100 Christian, over 100, actually 108 temples and so many farms and schools and communities and so many books, initiating thousands of disciples, about 4,700 disciples. Extraordinary strength, even though he was in his 70s. And one time, when an elderly man was visiting a temple, and he said, I know more about your guru than you to the devotees. The devotees were a little offended. Said, How is that? He said, because I'm in my 70s and you're only in your 30s. <laughs> he said, I can understand what kind of sacrifice you would want to So generally, people in their 70s, they don't start a movement. Usually <laughs> they retire. retired. <laughs> Running all over the world. <laughs> writing books and starting temples. And he founded the branch of the Chaitanya tree. Actually started a, a new branch of the Chaitanya tree. So as I said, I wanted to um, show you some videos. Vedas says, Pratigana Thamsa Guru Meva Abhiracheta. 